We'd like to welcome everyone here this morning that have come to fill this place of worship on this very special occasion, especially to the families of Evelyn and Agnes. We're so welcome and thrilled to welcoming you and thrilled to see you here. Um, we do look forward to many blessings this morning and pray that you be in prayer with us as God's word goes forth. Um, what we'd like to do is First of all, give opportunities for all to give greetings from your respective churches before we have the opening hymn, and then we'll go straight into the word. With me, behind me, our elder brothers, um, Willie Kurtz from Ancaster, Brother Werner Weinhardt from Kitchener, Strasbourg Road, and Brother um, Mike Palanaki from Windsor, Ontario. So I'll give you an opportunity for, for greetings now. So bring you the greetings from the Strasbourg Road Church in Kitchener. I'm almost embarrassed to bring greetings again because this is the third time I've been in this church in the last month, uh, but I do bring you hearty greetings from Windsor. We'd also like to uh, announce that we have baptism too coming up next weekend. We will begin testimonies at 7 o'clock on Friday. We have two souls that we will approve on Friday evening and uh, four other souls on Saturday evening beginning at six o'clock and uh, a regular baptismal service on Sunday. We'd certainly like to invite all of you to come and uh, uh, rejoice with us uh, for that holy event. Thank you Brother Mike and there's no need to be embarrassed. Any other greetings from other churches? We're being greetings from West thank, thank you Brother Bob. Welcome and extend our greetings. Thank you, Brother Bob, again. Welcome. Extend our greetings. Greetings from the Mike Bailey and my wife. Thank you, Brother Peter. Welcome. Extend our greetings when you return. Once again, we'd like to welcome everyone here this morning. And to begin our service, let us turn to him number 330 to welcome all our guests. 330, we can sing three verses. Let's stand for this.
To lead us in the Word of God this morning for this very special occasion of the baptism, we have Brother Werner Weinhardt from Kitchener. Please keep him in prayer as he expounds from God's Word. May we bow our heads for a word of prayer before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be able to assemble here on this Sabbath day for this special occasion. Thankful that you have brought many together from far and near and thankful that before us we have your living word. And we pray, Father in heaven, that you would speak to each and every one that has come here this morning through your Holy Spirit and through your living word. We thank thee, Father in heaven, for your love for all of mankind that is once again being manifested here today. And now as we would gather together and invite thee to be with us, we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to read for this occasion from the book of Colossians, chapter 3. This is Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and I'll be beginning with verse 1. Paul writes and he says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I'd like to conclude here with verse 17. Let's rise to pray. Our Father and our God, we're thankful that we can come boldly to thy throne of grace this morning. We're thankful, Lord, that thy word has been preserved throughout the ages, that we can look, it, look into it, and that it could become an instruction to us today. And we thank you, Lord, for all that have gathered in this place. And we're thankful, Lord, that thee, thou and thou alone knowest the needs of each one that has gathered here. And we're thankful, Lord, that thou wilt supply the needs of all that have gathered here. We pray, Lord, now that you'd use Brother Werner in a mighty way, that he could proclaim thy word in truth and in power. And we pray, Lord, that each one of us would be good listeners, that we might not only remember what thou would have to say to us, but thy spirit would individualize the message so that we would see how it affects our lives and how we need to change our lives by the strength of thy word and thy spirit that we might live lives that would please you, our Father and our God. With great expectation, Lord, we sit at thy feet for learning now, and we wait to witness the baptism of these two souls that have professed to have peace with you, where you have redeemed them from the miry clay. Thou hast put their feet on solid ground, Thou hast given them purpose and direction, and thou hast given them the right to eternal life with you forever. We're thankful for this, Lord, and now we ask for the quietness of heart and mind that we could hear you speaking to each one of us. Put Satan at bay that thy spirit could work mightily today, and we thank you and praise you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder what would go through the mind of someone that perhaps happened to drive by this church this morning that had attended this church in years gone by. 
I'm sure they couldn't help but notice that um, the freshly paved parking lot is full of cars, that um, the landscaping and just the exterior speaks that this place has certainly got a facelift. And if they were to, to actually stop and come inside, I think that probably their jaws would drop. And to understand what I mean by that, if you haven't already done it, you would need to go downstairs and look at all the pictures that are on the wall downstairs. And you would quickly recognize that this place has undergone over the past year much more than just a facelift. That in fact, it has gone through a, a major renovation, a transformation. And that what we see and can experience today is, is, is hardly recognizable from what it was a year ago. And I guess in many ways, this um, project, this renovation that took place here is probably a classic example of what we often see as before and after pictures or scenarios in that what we see here today is so different. And especially inside, the church here. We can see that what has happened is, is much, much more than a facelift. It wasn't just some new carpet that was put down or some fresh paint put on the walls. Things were stripped down to the bare bones, so to speak, and everything became virtually new. And it doesn't take long for one as you walk through this church as, as I did, um, I did not see it before I was able to see it several weeks ago at the dedication as all of you see it today. But I did see the pictures and so I had a, a sense of what it was like. But it doesn't take long to walk through this church to recognize and realize that, that um, even though there was a lot of hard work probably by volunteers that were not very skilled, that by and large what we see here was the result of very skilled hands what I would call master craftsmen. People that uh, take their trade very seriously and have become masters at it. And being that this was a church, they wanted to and did the very best that they could. You see it in, in everything. The, the downstairs, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the, the, the woodwork, the finish, it's all there truly a work of art and of master craftsmen doing their very best with the hands that God has gifted them to work with. And that picture, that picture that, um, that we see in this building, I think aptly describes our coming together here this morning. In the sense that as we were assembled last night, many of us, to hear the testimonies of Evelyn and, and Agnes, that they definitely also portrayed a picture 
of the before and the after. And that is the essence of our coming together for this special service. It's all about something that was before and is now, about the before and after. And that certainly is what a baptismal service is all about, in the sense that a change has, has taken place. And we are coming together to witness and to be a part of that change. And to witness the evidence of that change. And the text that we have before us, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, is also one that certainly also describes the before and the after. The Bible says that if any man, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature or a new creation, that all things are passed away and that all things have become new. We are here to witness a baptism, which is in essence symbolic, yes, of this transformation, this newness of life, but is much more than it's in the sense that it is a time in which both Evelyn and Agnes are identifying themselves with Christ and with something very significant that happened in his life, namely his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. And as we would together look at this chapter, considering why we are together here, the purpose of our gathering, my prayer is that, that all of us would perhaps have a better understanding and a deeper understanding of what it really means to be in Christ and to be a new creation as the Bible describes it. And the Bible describes this before and after in, in different imagery, in different ways. Talks about it moving from darkness to light, or from unbelief to belief, or as a songwriter captured it so well, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. No matter how you describe it, in essence it means that one has been born again born again, and that they are a new person, very different from the former, very different from what was before to what is now. And that is the essence of much of this chapter that we have read together. 
It is also the essence of the sixth chapter in the book of Romans that, that talks a lot about this same subject, namely that of being crucified with Christ and being buried with him. Language that really is hard for us to relate to perhaps today. And what does that really mean? Practically speaking, what does that really mean? For that person that has become a Christian, that has experienced the grace of God, that has been saved, that has become a new creation in Christ. A new creation that, that is the result of, of some very important things that happened. Most importantly, that as the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Possible because Jesus came into this world and he's the one that died on that cross and shed his blood for your sins and for mine and then was resurrected on the third day and right now is with the Father in heaven. And even as that song speaks about grace, we know the Bible makes it abundantly clear that salvation is a gift. In Ephesians, the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And we have, we have read that here also. Where it says that we have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge of the image of him that created him. This isn't something that, that we can do on our own. It is only something that God can do by his grace and, and through the love that he has and that he transforms a person and makes them something new, something very different from what they were before. So what does it mean to, to be crucified with Christ? We know that, that crucifixion was a cruel form of punishment in the time of Jesus that the Romans, I believe, had invented. One that, that resulted in a, an excruciating death for the victim. And Christ endured that death for you and for me. He died. Crucifixion had only one goal in mind, and that was to, to, to ultimately kill the accused, the person that was being crucified. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And yet the Bible describes that when one becomes a new creature or a new creation, a child of God, as a result of, of, of repenting, the Bible says that, that, and we preach, repentance towards God, in other words, turning to God, and having faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, when one makes that experience, they are identifying with Christ. 
his crucifixion and his death and burial. And you can read in in this chapter as well as in Romans chapter 6 where there's various terms and terminology that is used that describes what happens in a person's life when they move from from what they were before and 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 we read here there were a number of verses that described this former life and it says here you walked some time or at one time you walked in these things sexual immorality uncleanness lust covetousness idolatry anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication lying all of these things and many more. And Evelyn and, and Agnes testified that in part this described their former life. And for every one of us that is here, it either describes who we are or what we are. And, and, and maybe, maybe not the whole list and maybe only a part of the list and maybe even only a small part of the list. But even if you can't find yourself on that list, which I think is probably impossible, and you consider yourself to be a good person and a righteous person, the Bible makes it plain and clear that there is no one that is righteous, that we all have sinned, we all have come short of the glory of God. And as a result of that, there is, there is a punishment, there is a destiny. And that is an eternity without God. Unless there is an after. Because if our lives can only be described by the before and there is no after, then we cannot look forward to living happily ever after in eternity with God. The Bible makes that plain and clear. But this after is described here in the scriptures in a number of different ways. Symbolized through this baptism, the water baptism and and the burial that that symbolizes at the grave, the watery grave. But uses terminology and words like being dead to sin. What does that mean? I think it means a number of things. And And most importantly, for the believer, for the one who who has repented towards God, turned towards God and, and, and recognized their sinfulness, being truly sorry for it and turning away from it, and, 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 and showing evidence and fruit of, of that repentance in their lives, being Dead to sin means that, in part, that the sin of their former life is dead in God's eyes. It is no more. The Bible says, and their sins and their iniquities, God says this, will I remember no more. It is, as far as God is concerned, as if, It had never happened. 
In Romans, the fifth chapter, the first verse, the Bible says that, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, by faith, because of what Jesus did, it's just as if, justified, just as if we had never sinned as far as God is concerned. How amazing is that? How beautiful is that? Think about it. Anything you have ever done, all the bad things you have ever done, they can be wiped out and, and thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as God is concerned. And only because of Jesus, only because of what he did on the cross, only because he died for your sins and for my sins, and so one that has experienced this new birth, in essence, their former sins are dead, forgiven, forgotten by God, and to be buried in this baptismal flood, never to be remembered, never to be brought up again as far as God is concerned. So does that mean that, that being crucified with Christ and dying with him results in, in making someone sinless? Not at all. And every one of us that is a believer here this morning knows, knows that that is true. We are not sinless. We certainly sin less. And if we are a child of God, that has to be our condition. But we recognize that by becoming a child of God, doesn't, it takes away all the sin that we have committed and makes us, in essence, perfect in God's eyes. You know, as, and this is going back nearly 40 years, as I sat in front of the church um, much like Evelyn and Agnes did last night. Um, Elder Brother George Friend, who has gone to be with the Lord, he, he took my testimony and, and asked me some questions. And he asked me a question that, that is asked from time to time. And he, he simply asked, uh, are you perfect now? And I quickly answered, yes. And quickly discovered, wrong answer. It's not what he was looking for. And certainly, I was not perfect at that point in the sense of being sinless. Yes, a transformation had taken place, and, and, but I, I could still sin and did. Still made mistakes. I still didn't measure up in every way the way God wanted me to live. But my life was very different. And... And really, it was a number of years later that I discovered in the scriptures that my answer was actually correct. It was one of those kinds of questions that you really couldn't give, according to the word of God, a wrong answer. If you said no, that was true because, yes, we aren't perfect, and we still sin, we still make mistakes, and we, we still don't measure up to God's perfect plan. 
But answering yes was also true because in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the Bible tells us that by one sacrifice, namely the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross for you and for me, for by one sacrifice, he, Jesus, has forever perfected those that are sanctified. And so by becoming a Christian, I had attained into a position of perfection, even as Evelyn and Agnes have. My condition in myself was still very much imperfect, but my position, as far as God is concerned, because of what Christ did on the cross, was one in which I was perfect and still am. And so is every believer, true believer in Christ. And that's an important distinction, an important truth that we need to claim. And, and we recognize that, that being crucified with Christ and, and, and dying with being buried with him and being dead to sin also implies other things in that our, our relationship to sin and the sinfulness described in this chapter has totally changed. We no longer desire sin the way we once did. But rather we despise it. And we are very disappointed when we maybe give in to it. And sin takes on a, an entirely new perspective in our lives. It's not something that, that we ever want to do, but still we recognize that sometimes we do, and then we need to deal with it and ask God to forgive us. In Romans chapter 6, this, this process of becoming a child of God and, and being crucified with Christ and, and, and being buried with him, dying to sin, is spoken of that in the sense that sin no longer has dominion over us. In other words, sin no longer has its grip, its control over somebody's life. We no longer in that position where we, where we sometimes flippantly say the devil made me do it. Well, perhaps he did, and perhaps he does. But for the child of God, the devil no longer has that kind of control over their life. And sin no longer has that kind of dominion. And the Bible also describes it there that it, it, it no longer reigns in your life. It's no longer seated on the throne of your life. Something has changed. And instead of sin controlling and, and, and reigning and, and being in control of your life and, and making you do often the things that even you don't really want to do, together with the things that, that you do want to do that, that are displeasing to God, it changes because... Sin takes on a whole new perspective. And that perspective comes about because 
in this process of, of dying to sin and, and allowing God, the master craftsman, to come into our life and transform us and change us and make us into a new person. Things become new. And the Bible describes it here that in this process, we have risen with Christ. And even as the grave, death could not hold Jesus, neither could the grave hold him, we know that on the third day he arose from the dead and that he is alive today. And so the, the one who, who gives his life to the Lord and invites him into, into his life experiences this new birth, this, this being born again. And I'd like to read some verses from a hymn that we often sing on an occasion like this, and I think it, it aptly describes this process, this transformation that takes place. Where the hymn writer has said, Who by water and the Spirit is not truly born again, he will heaven not inherit, this the word of God makes plain. Man must here give up his nature, that sinful nature, and become a newborn creature. If when life is ended here, he would enter glory there. This new birth must be effected by baptism and God's word. Then if these are not rejected, nor the grace of Christ our Lord, there one early will discover that the reign of sin is over. For when God indwells the heart, sin itself must soon depart. And at the same time there is given God, the Holy Spirit too, by whom sin from us is driven and a life begins that's new. In the heart he then commences new words, new works, and new senses, urging us to deeds of light so that we may serve God aright. What a beautiful poetic description of the transformation that takes place when someone becomes a child of God, when someone is walking in newness of life, when someone is truly born again, when they have experienced the after. Risen with Christ, alive unto God. The Bible, our text here, describes that in a number of different ways. One of them being, it says here, if ye then be risen with Christ. In other words, if this is what has happened, if this is where you're at, and that speaks to, to Evelyn, to Agnes, it speaks to every one of us that are children of God, it speaks to everyone that, that wants to follow God and, and be his child. The Bible says here, seek those things that are above where Christ sitteth upon the right hand of God. We seek and desire something that is totally different. We have a new perspective. Instead of 
of seeking after worldly pleasures, worldly pursuits that, that so often leave people empty and, and searching and, and wanting more and, and, and never finding it, we recognize that the real treasure is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what we seek after, to be right with God, to be walking with God, to be pleasing with God, and to be able to see things from a different perspective. You know, and again, this is going back almost 40 years, when I became a Christian, when I became a child of God, I write, and I, I was 16. I didn't need to experience some of the pain and, and hurt that we heard about last night that both Agnes and Evelyn experienced because, as you can see, they are much older than I was. And yet I, I knew that I was a sinner and that was manifesting itself in, in different ways and I knew that I needed to repent and turn towards God. And I, and I remember it to this day. I, I made that decision at camp during the summer, 1973, and was going into grade 11. And as many of you remember, or, um, often, most usually when you go back to school, there's an assembly of all the students. And I remember it vividly sitting in that assembly and I was looking around at everybody that was there. And while I was not close friends with, with a lot, I, I knew the people. And I just sat there and, and was, was really overwhelmed by a, a, a feeling and a sense that literally brought tears to my eyes. And I couldn't believe how much Everyone had changed over the summer. They were so different. They, they, it's the way they talked, the way they looked, the way they acted. It was so different. And all of a sudden I realized that that's not what happened. They were still who they were before the summer. They hadn't changed. I hadn't. I was the one that had changed. And, and I probably looked pretty much the same to them. I was, I was who I was, and there was not a, a noticeable, a, a big or even noticeable change outwardly that they would have recognized. But inwardly, I saw things completely different. And I had experienced or, or was going through a process of experiencing that I was seeing things differently, seeing them from God's perspective, the way God looks at things. And what was happening in my life was, as the Bible describes in the 12th chapter of Romans, of being transformed by the renewing of your mind, of my mind, so that I could prove, or that we could prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. All of a sudden, I was seeing things differently because God was transforming me, my mind, 
and giving me that perspective, causing me to want to seek things that are above, that are eternal, looking at things from God's perspective, not simply from a worldly or a temporal perspective. And also, as we read in this chapter, setting my affections on things that are above, making my goals, my pursuits, those things that have eternal value and eternal consequence in a good way. And so that is perhaps what it means to be alive in Christ and to arise with him. And as, as Evelyn and Agnes will, will descend into this baptismal here this morning, they are identifying with Christ, both his death and burial, his crucifixion, and his resurrection from the dead, and that they have gone from darkness to light, from being lost to being found, from unbelief to belief, from darkness to light, from being a child of Satan to being a child of God from being destined to eternity without God to one with him. What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of the before and after. And every one of us, every one of us can make that experience. And if you are here this morning and have not yet made that experience, the Bible tells us, makes it very clear that that door of grace is still open and you can come and you need to come and you need to allow God to change you. Remember that. This isn't a self-help process. This isn't a, a quick makeover coat of paint, new carpets. This is being stripped down to the very core of our lives and letting God truly transform us. Allowing his hand to work and accomplish his purpose. Because he's a master. God is a master at transforming lives through Jesus Christ. T'was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it was scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I a bidding, good folks, he cried, who start the bidding for me? A dollar, a dollar, then two, just two, two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward, and he picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet 
just like a caroling angel sings. The music ceased. And the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I a bid for this old violin? And he held it up with the bow. $1,000, and who make it two? 2000 who make it three? 3000 once, 3000 twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We don't quite understand. What changed its worth? Then swift came the reply. It was the touch of the master's hand. And many, many a soul, with its life, with its life out of tune, and battered and scarred by sin, is auctioned cheap to a thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and they travel on. They're going once, they're going twice. They're going and they're almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd, they never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch, by the touch of the master's hand. Amen. As uh, Brother Werner was meditating on the word, and he talked about those that are born again are not perfect, but they're righteous in God's eyes because of the shed blood. What came to my mind was a quote that I had quoted not long ago from this pulpit. The um, the author was probably one of the most well-known authors of a hymn called Amazing Grace, John Newton. And um, we know that he was involved with a lot of uh, slave trade and God convicted his heart probably in the middle of the ocean and the words that came to him were the words of amazing grace. And this is what he said about his own life as he was dying, as he was on his deathbed. His uh, friends were gathered around him and prob probably in a gasping, raspy voice he said this, I am not what I ought to be. I'm not what I desire to be. I am not what I will be in glory. But I know 
I'm not what I used to be. Evelyn and Agnes, you're not what you used to be. You're new creatures in Christ and he's empowered you to serve him faithfully. To proceed with this holy occasion of the baptism, I'd like to read the words of the Master himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the book of Matthew, the last chapter of his gospel. Beginning at verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Evelyn, is it still your faith to be baptized into the death of Christ? Agnes, is it still your faith to be baptized into the death of Christ? Based on your faith and your testimony, we would like to to do so, we'd like to excuse you after the first verse of, of hymn number 162. Let's sing verses 1, 4, 5, and 7 of 162. Sorry, Sorry I had another hymn in mind before that. Let's sing verses 1, 3, and 4. 1, 3, and 4 of 162.
Let's also sing hymn 42, verses 1, 3, and 4.
Let's arise for a prayer. <coughs> o Holy Father, as we're about to immerse Evelyn and Agnes into this watery grave, thy word makes it quite plain that it is not the actual water that will cleanse us, but it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanseth us. It is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed Evelyn and Agnes and all of us that have gone through this holy ordinance. And Lord, we are thankful that thou hast not left us separated from thee eternally, but that thou hast provided Jesus Christ through whom we have access unto thee, the living God. We are thankful that we can find forgiveness of sins and that we can be rid of our sins by that blood. And Lord, we also realize that that transformation of heart and mind has already taken place in the hearts and minds of these two souls. And this is the culmination of the conversion process, of the repentance process that they have gone through. And Lord, we are thankful that we are witnesses of this holy event, that we can see the old man being buried in the watery grave to arise as newborn creatures holy and acceptable unto thee the living God to walk now in thy holy statutes not under the dominion of sin but in the newness of that transformed mind and heart and Lord we pray that all of us that have gone through that holy ordinance would also be reminded and would reflect on the covenant that we have made with thee, the living God, and that we would also be renewed in spirit and in mind by being witnesses of this. Heavenly Father, we also pray for those that have not made that experience yet, that thy mighty hand, that the touch of the Master's hand, might have been upon each and every soul that has come and that has not made right with thee. We pray that many a soul would reach out to thee and also seek this holy gift that can only come from thee, the Heavenly Father. Lord, look down upon us, be merciful unto us, and continue to work in the lives of thy creation we especially pray that thou wouldst continue to raise these newborn babes in the nurture and admonition of thy holy word heavenly father we have many petitions and we just pray thy blessings upon this holy work for we ask it and we pray it in the name of jesus christ amen
Evelyn, last night you testified that you struggled throughout your whole life looking for love, looking for acceptance. And your struggle continued even into your adulthood. When you were seeking an answer to the emptiness that was inside, it wasn't here, it wasn't there. And then when you heard the preaching of the gospel in our church, you knew this was the place you needed to be. And you looked for a sign. You looked for a sign in your struggles. Whether God wanted you to stay here and continue on with the life as you had it. And God showed you a rainbow of promise. The sign, the fleece that you had laid out, God responded in a mighty way. And God promises you eternal life if you serve him faithfully. Based upon your testimony, given before many witnesses, I would like to now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I want you to sit down. Agnes, you were raised in a Christian home back in Hungary. And you had wonderful examples that were around you, your parents and the believers in your town. But you chose to wander away from God. You chose, like all of us, at one point in our lives to reject Jesus and seek our own ways through life. But God was faithful. He never forsook you. The word that was placed in your heart as a child, the Bible promises that it would never leave you. You would never leave it. And you responded to the word as it was re-preached to you again. You sought also other places for satisfaction. But when you heard the true preaching of the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation, you said you were convicted and you saw yourself a sinner and you've come home. Based upon your faith and testimony, I now will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost.
one of the converts mentioned last night um, that one song that really touched her was 325. So let's sing 325, all four verses. Brother Adrian, did you want to direct the singing?
We're so joyful this morning that God has called two more lost sheep back to his fold. We're thankful that many could be here this morning to witness this glorious event. We just have no idea of what is going up in the courts of glory at the moment. We have no idea. I shouldn't say. We have some idea. But we, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those that love him. And we're so thankful. We would love everyone to stay with us for lunch when we uh, be dismissed in a few minutes. The schedule for the rest of the day is that we will have lunch prepared for all downstairs, so we would ask everyone to please stay. We're going to ask the converts, their families, and the elders and their wives to go downstairs first. The ushers will direct you row by row uh, afterwards. And uh, we would also like then, first of all, if there are any uh, downstairs in the main purpose room, the general purpose room, to please uh, clear that first and also get in line. And anyone that's in the basement uh, as well in the dining room to please get in line. And then the ushers will then dismiss us row by row. In the meantime, those that are still here will be singing until uh, your turn comes to, to be uh, dismissed. We're thankful for the message that came forth this morning, Brother Werner, and the, the praise that came forth. We would uh, certainly anticipate this afternoon. Uh, the, the, me the meeting this afternoon will be for members only. And uh, we have also uh, organized that those that uh, are not members, the, the unconverted, uh, we would welcome you to uh, stay with us. We have a house on the side of the church here. Uh, we have lots of room there for those that would like to participate in a service that is going to be arranged for you. And then we would call you back this afternoon. It's going to be around about 5 o'clock that we'll have supper, 4.35, depending on when we finish the second uh, uh, service this afternoon for members only. So everyone is welcome back for supper, and then hopefully around about six we'd like to have uh, 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 general singing just to glorify God and praise his name. We're expecting more visitors come in the evening as well. So everyone's welcome for that. Before we do stand for a concluding prayer, we're going to ask Brother Bob Varga in a minute for, uh, from Michigan, from uh, Beverly Hills to come up. I would certainly like to sing a cappella from what we know off by heart, the words to Amazing Grace. So uh, let's stand for that. Someone can give us a, a note on that. Um, let's sing Amazing Grace at two stanzas from Amazing Grace.
Heavenly Father, we, we are so thankful that we could be here this morning. It's an awesome thing to, to be able to be here to witness um, the baptism of, of Agnes and Evelyn. Lord, it's an awesome thing to be able to witness um, the change that, that occurs in someone's life. And Lord, to, to be able to witness and be a part of, of that public display of, of what they've gone through and of that change where they, they're willing to go to the extent to get baptized as you command. And Lord, our prayer this morning is that, that, that each of us, as we're here, um, can have the courage to be honest with ourselves. Lord, that we would be courageous enough to, to look inside. Lord, I pray that, that we would all have the courage to when we look inside to, to be honest and recognize that, that things aren't necessarily all right. Father, that we would have the courage and the honesty to stop pretending that things are okay when they're not. Father, if we're feeling alone, if we're struggling with life, Lord, there's so many different things that could be going on. All of us have gone through them or some of us are going through them. And Lord, I pray that, that, that we'd also have the courage to to just acknowledge that we need you and just stop pretending that everything's all right and turn to you and ask you for help. Lord, help us to recognize that, that the change that's in Agnes and in Evelyn um, isn't fake, but that it really is a transformation. And help us to see that we could have that same transformation in our lives that we could have hope that just like them, that each of us could be living eternally starting today. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to, to be here, to, to have all those different things come through our minds, a chance to reflect, to examine, to be honest and true with ourselves. Lord, we'd also ask for a, for a prayer on the rest of this day and a blessing on the, the rest of this day, excuse me, and, and pray that, that you would bless the, everyone that's worked hard to, to, to make this day what it is, um, all the food that's downstairs and everyone that worked to prepare it. Uh, Father, bless the, the hands that have worked. Um, bless the fellowship that we would have during lunch. Um, bless the food itself to our bodies. And pray, Lord, that the filling that we got this morning could continue in the afternoon um, and that this could be an opportunity uh, for a lifelong change starting today. Praying in Jesus' name, amen.